How many want to be let go? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Aren't you so glad? Aren't you so glad that God can liberate us? Yes. Hallelujah. If you can turn to Numbers 20th chapter. Yes. No more change already in me. My soul dismissed Jesus blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm free. I'm free. I am free. Praise the Lord. I'm free. No longer bound. Look at your neighbor and say to him, tell him, I'm no longer bound. No longer chains. No more chains holding me. My soul is resting. My soul is resting. It's just a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm free. Amen. 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 We're going to deal with that, how we can be set free, but it's a process. But how many here, just like me, hate processes? Just give me the check now while I got to work, right? Give me my certificate while I got to go to class. But yet it's a process. But in the midst of the process, we will be challenged in this process that we will face dryness. We will have to contend with murmuring. And we have to fight to fall back on what's familiar. Let's look at what's happening in Old Testament, the book of Numbers. Looking at verse 20, going to down to verse 13. I am reading from the New Living Translation. Where we are in our Bible in the Old Testament, we are after Moses had told Pharaoh to let my people go. This is some years later now. They have been in this wilderness for some time now. They have some challenges. They have won some. They have lost some. But yet God is still with them. Somebody might catch that on the way home. And so where we are now that they're still in the wilderness waiting on to receive the promise that God has given them. And the reason why they are waiting because of their own disobedience, their own disbelief. It's not because God is slack. 
It's not that because God is unable. It is because we are slow. <laughs> and it's because we are unable. But now unto the one who is able. Amen. So let's look to the one who is able as he speaks to his people. Numbers, the 20th chapter. Is everybody there say amen? amen. Not there say hold on. Amen. Let's journey together. The word of God says, in the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with other, with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle, where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and I will pour out its water. You will provide enough water. From the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. When he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and the livestock drank their field but can somebody say but But. the lord said to moses and aaron because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of israel you will not lead them into the land i am giving them this place was known as the waters of meribah which means arguing because there the people of israel argued with the lord and their and he and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. Praise God for his word. In in, in your bulletin, uh, I, I gave the the, the I, I, if y'all don't know my struggles, I, I go with I, I give like 20 titles to my sermons. So the first title I had was pass or fail the test of life. And then second, a subtitle, if you will, the colon and the small print that takes up the more, more of the book title is The Process of Transformation, Revisiting Your Tests. <laughs> what I want you to grab here is that in this pass or fail situation, sometimes you have to take the test again. That you will have to revisit to see have you really been changed or are you doing the same old thing. We see tests are given to us over and over again in many things that we take for granted. For example, you want to renew your driver's license. Yes, you've been driving all these years, but you have to take a test. And the reason why you have to take the test, they want to test you to see have you learned from the last time you took this test. 
Because in the process, if you have not learned from the last time you took the test, then you will fail the test. Some of you think, oh, what do you mean, what have I learned? Some of you didn't know the, the laws the first time you took the test. But somebody happened to tell you, so you put down the right answers, but you still don't know. How many here, how many times have we took a test at class or, or school or at our job, and we just repeated the information somebody told us, but we did not know the information? So when the time comes when you have to know what to do, you don't know what to do because you did not know in the first place. In my time, in my, my, my colleges and studies, I realized this. A teacher said this to me. He says, if you don't know the information by now, then you won't know it. And it got to me that he was saying that there's no sense for studying for my test the day before. Because if you do not know it the not that day, then you won't know it the next day. And that teacher made a point to make sure that he went all the way back to the first day of class and put different information in there to see how much you've been paying attention. And when I realized that's what he was doing, I started taking better notes. So that I will be prepared the next time I face that test, I will not fail that time, but I will pass. But sometimes in our lives, we have come so far, we don't look back to see where we came from. And so when we do not look back to where we've come from, we become satisfied with where we are. Let's look here. God is taking the Israelites from Egypt's land. Because Moses went down, down to Egypt land to tell, oh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. But yet they were let go, but yet there's some things they still have not let go of. Look, look, look what happened here. They said we would rather die where? In Egypt land. Or we would rather have died with our brothers who got cursed. <laughs> We'd rather die there in the presence than be here on the way to my change. Have you been there before that change was so difficult? Growth was so hard that you'd just rather give up than push any harder? You'd rather just lay down? Instead of getting up and move on a little bit farther. You see, God, God is telling us, telling us, and showing us here that as I am bringing you into your promise, it is not going to always be an easy route. But the key thing is this, that God has a route. <laughs> I want you to catch this. God has a route. I want you to catch it. God has a route. Which means is you don't have to make one. Snow is, is melting away now, but how many of us, if we didn't shovel our sidewalks or our driveways, we just walk through with the marks that are already made? Because somebody already went through that path before, so we're assuming if they made this path, then I can walk in this path too and not fall. But yet, if you do not have a path, then some of us have to work hard, what? To make a path, then once we make the path, it's easier the next time to go through the path. God is letting them know, you can't make a path, but I'm going to make a path, and it's going to be easy for you to walk through this path. Some of you are not catching on to you looking at me, what you're talking about. Do you understand? God told them, God told them specifically, let them know that I am not going to just give you the land. I'm preparing the land for you, so as I'm taking you there, it will be ready when you get there. 
Think about the dinner bell. What's the dinner bell for? To call you when it's time to eat. They don't ring it while they're fixing it. They ring the bell when everything's done. So all you have to do is show up and enjoy. That's what God's trying to do for you, but we're trying to rush the process. We want to go there and be undone. And then we really be a wretch, undone. Some of y'all might get that on the way home too. So look at the text. Look here, look here. They have come to the place. Miriam has passed away. Some, some historians believe this is now 14 years now in. About Miriam has passed away. And this is significant because Miriam is one of the few of three prophetesses that are mentioned in the Old Testament. She is well known and respected for the songs that she read, how she was leading them in the wilderness. So it was significant when she passed away. But when she passed away, something else happened here. They realized that they were in a dry land. It's kind of funny. They've always been in the wilderness. But all of a sudden, now they realize we're in a dry land. And, and since they've been in this wilderness for too long, they started longing for what they used to have. Some of us are like that in, in, in all kinds of situations. It might be your marriage. It might be your relationship. And you're thinking how good things used to be before things happen now. It always looks good when you're, in, when you're going through something. But it does not mean it's better. It does not mean that it's better. It always looks good when it's rough and when it's hard. But it does not mean that it's better. It looked good in Egypt because Egypt was a dynamite dynasty. Do you understand? Oh, Egypt was rocking the world. Egypt was the place to be. That was the place to be. But God took them out of that because it was full of idolatry. Sometimes we need to check. Some of the places that are most popular to be is full of idolatry. Some of y'all got pictures in your head already now. So let's look here. They were thirsty. And because they saw no water, they started blaming Moses. They said, Moses and Aaron, you brought us out here. One thing we realize when we become dry, we start deflecting our problems on somebody else. They, they did not blame themselves. They did not turn to God. They just looked at somebody and said, it's your fault we up in this mess. And the problem when we get there is that we no longer look at our responsibility. And when we no longer look at our responsibility, that we no longer know how to get out of the problem. If they could look back at themselves, they could say, well, where did we come from? God brought us up out of Egypt. When we were walking with our parents and our kindred, we remember God made manna. God separated the Red Sea. God had water come out of the rock before, back in Exodus 17 chapter. So we know that God is able to provide. But all of a sudden, they started, started not, lost their focus on God, started looking at man and saying, Moses, what have you done for me lately? Sometimes we get caught up in our lives that we want to blame everybody else for the problems that we have in our lives. We want to blame your boss. Want to blame your spouse? Want to blame your children while you, have, while you are empty and dry in your life? But yet, if you go to a dry well with a bucket to get water, you're always going to come up empty. People that we turn to to get re refreshment from will never refresh us. Jesus told the woman at the Samaritan well, says, if you would have asked me for water, if you would have asked me for water, if you would have asked me, I would have given you 
so much that you would never thirst. Do you understand that we are dry in our lives, in our transformation process, because we lost the focus? You got to remind yourself it's not about you. They are taking them to be a blessing to us, but yet they thought all about themselves. Our animals don't have food. And we don't have water. Back in Egypt, there was pomegranate. There was figs. To us, that's like, that's not hungry. That's not hungry to us. But maybe to us, this is what we were thinking. I wish I was back home. I would fix me a steak. I would have got my best fish. I would have made my favorite side. I would have made my favorite dessert. That's what we would say. If we was in that situation, we'd be longing for that creek, for that comfort food we like. Some of us say, I would have been up at that, your favorite Ben and Jerry's or Haagen-Dazs, whatever your ice cream is. You, you would just get right on down to it and start eating it up. And that's what we do. We fall back on things. And so what do they do? While they're dry, they started murmuring. See, first in your transformation, to test, to pass, or fail, you first got to realize there's going to be times of dryness. Secondly, there's going to be times of murmuring. You have to be careful that you're not part of the murmuring, nor do you listen to the murmuring. Because the murmuring will eat you up. It will eat you up because next thing you know, you start talking with so-and-so. And so-and-so will be telling you, isn't so-and-so acting a fool? Yeah, they sure enough acting a fool. And next thing you know, you start treating them that same way. And now you are part of the problem, not a part of the solution. And, and, and it becomes so easy because were they lying? Was it not dry? Yes, it was dry. Did Moses leave them there? Yes, Moses and Aaron did leave them there. But it wasn't their fault. But the problem is that we always want to blame somebody because we have control over them. My words can th- be thrown at you. We, we, you know, as a, as a child, parents say this to a kids. In, what? Sticks and bones may break your bones. I mean, sticks and stones. Help me out. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to call anybody a liar, but that's a lie. I understand the philosophy because the philosophy is true that don't get caught up throwing words at other people. But the problem is that words can cut. Hearing you no good, you've been no good, your daddy no good, cuts. People tell you, you so enough is ugly, cuts. People tell you, you're not going to get that job, cuts. You tell somebody how you're going to go to a school, they say you're not going to get into that school, cuts. You telling everybody how you're moving to another city to start a new job, they say, that's the wrong decision. Cut. People cut us, cut you down with their words. And look how it cut Moses and Aaron deep. Look how it cut them deep. The, the, the text tells us that it hit them so hard that they turned to God. So when people start murmuring to you, you should turn to God. And it was so hard on them, it says they fell on their face. You should be hurt so much you should turn to God and you should fall on your face. Now, some of you are already thinking, well, what if I have my good dress, my good suit on? Is, is, how bad do you want change to come? See, some of us get so caught up, we become so dignified, we, we become that rich fool. That rich fool. Jesus, Jesus said it's harder for him to get into heaven than a camel to get through the needle of eye. Because a rich man can't humble himself, get nice, get down in their good clothes. But yet if you are deeply hurt, you should turn to God and get on your face. And then look what they did. They cried out to him and God answered. And they heard him speak. But the problem was they went back to their problem. And when they went back to their problem, they went back to where they're facing the dryness. 
and they're facing the murmuring, Moses fell back on what was familiar. See, in our contendences, in our, in, in our tests, in our contending, in our transformation, we're going to face dryness, we're going to face murmuring, and we have to fight against being familiar with what we know. Exodus 17 chapter, God told Moses, hit the rock two times and water will come out. Moses did that, water came out. Moses was, came back there and he hit the rock when God specifically told him to speak to the rock. Moses hit the rock twice. God specifically told him to speak to the rock. I want you to catch this. The Bible is specific for specific reasons. It did not say Moses hit the rock. It said he hit it twice because Moses did that before. He hit it twice. But God did not tell Moses this time to hit it twice. God just simply told Moses to speak to the rock. But Moses came back there and said, must we bring water from this rock? That does not sound like he's giving glory to God. But did water come out? The problem is that when we are in dry places and we are murmuring and we fall back on what's familiar, sometimes we still get production. And when we get production, we think that we did what was right because we saw something come forth. But the problem is that it's not of God because do, do, do we not see the but? And that, that arrests my heart because I can think of when Samuel Thomas Durham believes he has good things and good things come, but it's not of God. And when it's not of God, then it limits you from getting the full blessing that he has for you. Y'all getting quiet now. Maybe y'all thinking about what y'all dealing with. Because if you, I want you to catch this. Moses and Aaron was going to take them into the promised land, but they didn't make it. It, 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 did, it did not say that Moses and Aaron were unholy or they were uh, the wretches undone and they're the wickedest man in the world. It just said, simply said they missed out on what God had for them. Even so much so that Moses had this so heavy on his heart that he pleaded to God. <laughs> in Deuteronomy, he pleaded to God, Lord, please let me get up in there. But God just said no. And it showed us that even this Cassius, Cassius, Moses was chastised for his wrong, but yet was faithful unto the end. Are you able to stay faithful unto the end? In this dryness situation, of transformation, look at this. Change can happen in our lives if we can overcome the dryness. How can we overcome the dryness? Know that God will provide. In your wilderness position, and you realize as you look at your limitations, who provided the water? God did. And does not the text say he provided enough? Did he provide enough? Does not, is not God Jehovah Jireh, my Lord, my provider? Does he not provide enough? So when you look at it, we look at what we can provide for ourselves. Oh, if I had pomegranate, if I had figs, it was better. But God said, I provided enough water from a rock. He took what was not and made it to what it is. He took to look, look what was impossible and made it possible. Some of us are looking in our situations and we need to realize that when I am in dry areas, uh, that's an opportunity to open up for God to do the miraculous. Sometimes the wilderness, we, we, the wilderness by, by Genesis through uh, 
Genesis all the way through uh, Deuteronomy and to Joshua, it has the wilderness, and therefore the wilderness is always used as a, as a place of teaching. The wilderness shows barrenness. The wilderness shows time of testing. And the wilderness also shows deliverance. So many times we see somebody goes off into the wilderness and they come out different than when they went in. And sometimes they go out to the wilderness and they stay there. <laughs> and they don't make it back out. <laughs> so the wilderness has meaning. And so we are sometimes in different wilderness. Sometimes our wilderness is because of our lack of faith. And so we have to trust God so he can bring us higher. We, we, the metaphor of wanting to be on the mountaintop means we want to be above. We want to be do, doing well. Sometimes we go through valleys and we go through the wilderness because of our lack of faith. We don't trust God to bring us high, so we try to bring us higher. And what we do, we fall. But when we trust in God, he will make our paths straight. We say it all the time, but do we understand what we're saying? Trust the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. New Living Translation said he will make your crooked path straight. Which means is that God will always provide the direction. Again. We can follow our own path that we work to make, or we can follow the path that God's created for us that is smooth and easy. Because God knows where he wants you to be, and he's made that correct direction. But yet, in your time of dryness, are you going to try to supply for yourself? Or are you going to go to the one who can supply all your needs? All your needs. Can I say that again? All your needs. They had enough water. Enough water. When you're facing murmuring, turn to God. His word will cloud out their word. Their word was, you are inept. You are unable. God says, I will. I will. I will. People tell you, you can't. You can't. You can't. God says, I am. I am. I am. People say, you won't. You won't. You won't. God says, I will. I will. I will. Do you understand? The world will come against you. All this negative against you. But God's always come back with the positive, the positive, the positive. The world will tell you how bad you are, how ugly you are, how dumb you are. God will say, how much I love you. I made you. I formed you. The world will tell you, you're no good. You're no good. You're no good. God says, you are good. You are good. You are good. The world will say, you are my enemy. You're my enemy. You're my enemy. God says, you are my friend. You're my friend. You're my friend. People might say, you're not my child. I don't know you. I don't know you. God said, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're my children. People say, you are nothing. You're worth nothing. You're worth nothing. The Bible says, you're a co-heir, a kingdom, a part of my nation. Do you understand how God can come back? Who's ever murmuring against you? God can stand against whatever people try to put against you. God is able. But we have to turn to him in the midst of our dryness. We got to turn down the volume of people. And turn up the volume of God. So as you see how God is filling them up, look what happens. Look what happens. Water flows out of the rock. And they have enough. But the problem was not that the water came. The problem was how the water came. Do you understand that, that, that they did not die from drinking the water? They did not become weak from drinking the water. They became empowered from drinking the water. But Moses and Aaron were rejected for how they did it. I want you to grab this. I really, this is, if you don't miss anything else, I want you to grab this. That true indeed, you can have what you want in this world, but you can miss out what God has for you in this world. You can have what you want, but you can miss out what God has for you.
Moses missed out on what God had for him. For 80 years, Moses was serving God, but yet he was unable to make it into his full destiny. Just think about it. For 40 years, Acts breaks it down to us. For 40 years, he was in Pharaoh's house. Then he went out to the wilderness for another 40 years. And for another 40 years out there in the wilderness, he just went back to become a shepherd, watching over these goats. And then all of a sudden he saw the burning bush. And then he had to take his sandals off because he had to come humbly before the Lord. And then for 40 years, God talked to him face to face, telling him how he's going to provide for him and bring him into the promised land. And then at one moment of disobedience, he lost it all. But yet it did not take away from him being productive because did he not lead them? You see, the problem is that we may get what we want, but we're going to miss out on what we really desire. So don't get caught up to saying, well, this must be successful because look at the production that's coming forth of it. The question is, is it his will? See, don't get caught up because it feels good and it looks good and we have production, but is it his will? There's a lot of instances in the Bible that points out that it looks good, it feels good, it looks good, it can work out, but is it his will? Here's what his will is. His will is that when you are dry, he will give you water so that you will never thirst. His will is that when the world is giving you contrary word, he's giving you confirmation Word. His will is that when you were looking forward to what's familiar, he's telling you that a change is going to come. A butterfly is transformed from a caterpillar. When you look at a butterfly, do you say that's a caterpillar with wings? No, you say this is a butterfly because it had a transformation process. We too should be transformed, that we're no longer who we used to be. But we should no longer become, you know, claiming to be a sinner, but now we are a saint. God is in the name-changing business. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. Jacob to Israel. He's in the name-changing business. And he changed our names from sinner to saint by the living water. What's that living water? Do you understand that this water came through the wilderness a couple of times? And, and, and well, this is Samuel Dern's holy imagination, but I can see how this water comes. Uh, he made a beautiful garden, and in that garden he made the tree of life. And that water was there to, to, to supply all the needs for that garden. But then sin entered in, and man was taken away from that for those, from those rivers. There's beautiful rivers in there. The garden names them, right? Names these different rivers right there. There's rivers, but they have been cut off. They can no longer be in that garden. And then they're cut off from that garden. They lost all that fresh water that came directly from God. And in that process, in that process, look at the water, how water has continued showed up for the children of Israel. They were in the wilderness. Water came out of the rock. But before that happened, God told Moses that I will be before you, before the rock. I'm going over somebody's head. God told him, I will be before you, before the rock. Which means that when I, it's me providing, not the rock. I am standing here providing for you. And then look here, the Corinthian writer, Paul, talks about how 
the rock was following them in the wilderness. And he said the imagery was the rock was Christ. And out of the, wa- out of the, out of the rock came the water. And what did Jesus say? If you thirst, I will give you water that you will never thirst. What is that water? The power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, but before we get to the New Testament and this water that came, uh, there's another time uh, in Ezekiel when he was in there and water filled the temple. There was no water to be there, but all of a sudden it was ankle deep. It was knee deep. He was swimming. He was so deep. Water came up. You could see how in the Psalm 46, it says there's a river that drives by. Do you know there's no river (laughs) there? But he's pointing out that water that will supply your every needs. uh, That water. And do you understand that water that Jesus says will come out of me? Is a living spring that you will not thirst. Uh, I believe that after our Jesus hung his head and died, uh, they tried to find out was he really dead. And the writer points out that out of the side came uh, blood and water. Even in his death. Even in his death. Even in his death. Out came water. What can stop God from providing for us? So no matter how bad your situation looks, no matter how dry it looks, how impossible it looks, no matter what people are clamoring and contending and telling you, no matter how they could tell you how, if I were you, how I would do it, because it's familiar to them. You need to fall on your knees, put your face on the ground, and say, God, I need a word uh, from you. Uh, you give me my daily bread. Uh, you give me your water so that I may not hunger, no thirst, no more. Because, God, I understand uh, that you are the provider. You are my protector. They may come against me, but, God, you will defend me. I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you. So uh, when I see the next time. The next time a test comes, I'm going to pass. I'm going to close with this. They have two places named Manasseh. Two places. And so therefore they specify which one is which. But I want you to point out there's two places where they contended with God over water. And both times they tested and contested God. My question is to you, will you pass or will you fail the next time you're faced with your test? Because God will. God will allow tests to come. God will allow tests to come. But he allows you to take the test so you can see how good you are. He allows you to take the test so you can see how much you've learned. I'm going to close with this. Job's going to be our tutor. Job, come here, please. In the book of Job, we clearly see that God is standing and sitting on his throne. The angels come in before him. And then all of a sudden it says Satan, the accuser, the devil comes before him. 
and God with his all willing wisdom and being everywhere, knowing all things, asks a question to the devil and says, uh, what have you been doing? <laughs> the devil, with his sly grin and his deceiving mind, simply says, just walking around to and fro. But God, knowing all things, helped us to understand what the devil does when he walks to and fro by putting in First Peter 5th chapter, he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so why this lion that's seeking whom he may devour, God gave him a subject. He says, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. Oh, look at the murmuring and the accusings that the, 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 the accuser gave to him. He says, well, uh, you've been so good to him. Uh, why wouldn't he serve you? Uh, let me take away everything you've given him, and I bet you he'll curse you. Oh, God said, well, you can do what you want, but you cannot uh, touch uh, his life. Uh, the enemy went and did all the worst that he could do upon him, but he could not touch uh, his life. Uh, his house was gone. His children were gone. His cattle was gone. But yet he said, I know my Redeemer lives. Uh, can anybody testify that you're going through some dry times right now? People are murmuring against you, but you know my Redeemer lives. Uh, and I can stand and be excited. No, no matter what comes against me, my life, uh, my life is in his hands. Can somebody say amen? man, uh, that my life uh, is in his hands. Can somebody say hallelujah? My life is in his hands. Uh, and what did Paul say? What can separate me uh, from the love uh, of God? Uh, I'm so glad. Uh, good days. I may the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, you ought to testify that I might be dry, but God is my water. People are against me, but God is for me. And he's going to Change me. So hold on until your change comes. Hold on. Just hold on until your change comes. Every head bowed, every eyes go to Father, we come to you. Because only you are the one that can bring us out from what we're in. Father, though it's not by our strength, by our might, or by our will, but it's by your power of your Holy Spirit, that living water, mm, fill us up right now. We surrender. We decrease so you can increase. Father, we realize every day we want to have an attitude in our mind to be filled with your Spirit, to be obedient before you, so that when dryness comes, we know you will provide. And when people come against us with words and accusations, we listen to your word and your word alone. And we won't fall back into what we have done before, but we fall back onto what you have done before. So, Father, we thank you that you are our comfort, you are our shield, you are our strength, you are our strong tower. And, Lord, that you are merciful, your love endures forever, and your kindness and you're full of mercy. Father, there's someone here who does not know Jesus. Lord, we pray they can cry out today that they will be filled and no longer dry and empty in their lives. But you will be their source. You will be their provider. That they will accept Jesus not only as their Savior, but as their Lord. To guide them, to rule them, and to direct them. In the matchless name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. The God's children say amen. Amen. amen.
Amen, 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 amen.